If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar. Today, we're talking about how parents learn to become parents, with a focus on a parent training management program launched last fall at Nemours Children's Hospital Florida for parents whose children have been diagnosed with ADHD. It was developed by our guests, Dr. Lisa Spector, Division Chief of Developmental Behavioral Pediatrics at Nemours Children's Florida, and her colleague, Dr. Corinne Bria, a pediatric emergency medicine physician. Dr. Bria holds a Master's of Medical Education with an emphasis on curriculum, implementation, and evaluation, all of which fits nicely with her role as Interim Program Director for the Nemours Children's Florida Pediatric Residency Program. In fact, the parent training program is resident-led, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But first, in preparing for this podcast, I was reminded of an old poster— Today, we'd probably call it a meme. It shows a young child, about a year old, and the text on the poster reads, If only they came with instructions. It underscores the feeling that just about every parent experiences. It's universal, even if you are a trained and experienced pediatrician. Here's Dr. Lisa Spector. You are so right, right? Like, even as a pediatrician, I'd been a pediatrician for years, and then we had a baby, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I thought I knew everything to know, and clearly I did not know everything I needed to know. It is really hard to be a parent. I think we also don't talk about how hard it is to be a parent. It's the toughest job that we will ever take on. Um, we don't get paid for it, right? It's 24-7. You don't necessarily get a break. depends upon the support systems you have in place around you. And they don't come with instructions. And so you're left kind of figuring it out on your own or doing what what your parents did for you or maybe the opposite of what your parents did for you, depending on the situation. And maybe you have other resources or other supports around you, but you really kind of figure it out as you go. And it's really hard. The one thing I would add, I never relied on my pediatrician more than when I was a first-time parent. A lot of times we think, oh, I'm going to the pediatrician to get my children, you know, like to get my child checked out, to go to a well child checkup to get their shots. But I really believe your pediatrician is a great wealth of information about sort of what is normal development. What should this baby be doing? The fact that, you know, babies start smiling at two months, like they do not smile initially. Is that okay? Like even these small, what seem like small questions, but are really like weighing on your mind as a new parent. And and honestly, I have four children. And every time I had another one, I felt like a new parent again in a different degree. But really, really trusting those resources. Information is lying at us on social media, on the internet, and really being able to sort through what is kind of that good, solid evidence-based information and what is maybe not so much. I think that also leads to sort of a lot of confusion and a lot of questioning of new parents. 
I think reassuring new parents is very, very important. And I do not think new parents hear enough what a good job they're doing. I was almost brought to tears when someone said that to me like early on when I was a parent. And um, I just don't think we we give each other enough credit with how hard and how difficult and how lifelong the quote unquote job, the calling of being a parent is. It goes way beyond having your child turn 18. Uh, Trust me on that one. (laughs) Where else do we learn our parental tools? This is Dr. Spector. I think we learn from our experiences, so our own parents. We learn from our family members and our friends. Sometimes we can read books about it or even like Dr. Bria mentioned, watching videos or social media broadcasts and such in terms of learning different skills and strategies. And some people can go to courses as well. I think the part that is hard is deciphering what is going to be helpful and what you can sort of lead to the side. I think that when it comes to kind of the new family, the new family dynamic, the parents, the child, the parents, the children, what may work in one household may not work in others. I like to think about it as like trying it on. So try try on a skill or try on a style, see how it works. And don't be afraid to sort of go back to the drawing board and say like, this didn't work well for our family. So let's figure out sort of where we are. Um, I think that that personalization and that recognition of the concept that one size doesn't fit all is really important. But I think that can be a bold step as a parent to say, oh my gosh, this method that everybody is recommending isn't working for us. I think that it's important to have sort of that permission to adapt to your family. I want to jump in here to the more formal parent training that you provide, that your team provides, and this is specific parent training programs that Nemours offers. Can you give me the background on what Nemours does offer? Dr. Spector, I'm going to go to you for that. Yeah, so we know that there's a tremendous need in our area for mental, emotional, behavioral health care, and we know that that's a tremendous need across the country, right? But particularly in Florida, we have a paucity of resources available for families and children And one of the big things we're big supporters of community and building the sense of community. So a way to do both of those was through a parent management program. And we started by starting small, addressing parents of children with ADHD. It's one of the most common mental, emotional, behavioral health disorders. And it really impacts children significantly and throughout their lifespan. I think oftentimes, because it's been around for a long time, we sort of poo-poo it a little bit, like, oh, it's just ADHD. But with ADHD, kids have a hard time being successful in their job. And their job is to go to school, right, and be successful academically. But many kids with ADHD have a hard time focusing at school, and that's reflected in their grades, which then gets translated home, right? There's also frustration, not only around their behaviors with ADHD, but around their lack of academic success in some situations. And so by helping parents address um, the difficulties their child is having and helping them learn some coaching strategies that can help their child be more successful both at home and in the workplace, aka school, was the, the place that we decided to start by providing a parent management training for those parents. Having a child with ADHD can be very isolating. I think you could potentially feel like you are the only one. And so I think another great aspect of parent management training is the fellowship, the camaraderie that comes with it, and that sense of 
you are not the only one in a negative way. The way that we have seen parents bond together and really use this lived life experience, which can seem and feel taboo at times as their ground of commonality, is it's very powerful. And I think that when we get a glimpse of what other people are going through, it allows us to sort of let our guard down a little bit and really be open to the experience of learning from each other, really creating empathy and compassion for each other, and and just having that that realization that there are other people in a similar situation with me. I am not alone. And leaning on that throughout the training and then beyond, you know, the goal is to create these these relationships, these friendships, these bonds outside of the parent management training time period. And I think that's one of the most powerful aspects of that the training allows. Walk me through the training. I'm a parent who has a child with ADHD. How long does it go? What do I learn? Do I go there with my child? Does my child stay behind with my my partner? Uh, I'm obviously with other parents who are in the same boat as I am. Talk me through it. Sure. So this is Dr. Bria. I find the ingenious way that Dr. Spector has really been so thoughtful about all of the aspects, Carol, that you're talking about to be a very cohesive part of the training program here. So the training is eight weeks long. It's two-hour session, and it's for kind of the caregivers, be that, you know, how we would classically think of two parents being or a single parent or a parent and a grandparent, whoever is in the home caring for the child. The children have their own educational session. It's called Zones of Regulation, and it talks with the children. It teaches the children developmental ways to focus on and address their emotions, sort of where are they in space? Why are they feeling this way? Building this emotion, but then also giving them strategies to kind of remain within like the zones of um, like calmness, happiness, those sorts of things. The parent management training here at Nemours Children's Hospital is is very exciting in that it is taught by young physicians. We have um, general pediatric residents who pair together and teach the sessions together. The residents, in order to be ready to teach these courses, they need to understand the material, and then they also need to do a training in small group facilitation. And so the parents come together, and they will they have a meal together. I think a, a breaking bread is a great way to build fellowship. And then they have a kind of a recap of the work that they did the, the prior week. They have homework every week, and then they get the material that they'll be going over in the current week from um, the idea of like um, adult learning theory and being active and engaged in your learning. It's actually a beautiful approach to that. And I wanted to give a shout out to Kelly Rogers and Felicia Santiago. Kelly's the community program manager and Felicia is the coordinator for that and our behavioral health hub. And they help facilitate the zones of regulation. And we wouldn't have been able to do it without their support and expertise. So we are really blessed to have them on our team. What have been the results of, of this program? I'm sure you're, you're, you're looking into how this is working long-term, short-term, medium-term. What have been the results? We could not have been more pleased with our inaugural class, which happened this past fall. We had two outstanding residents who started us off, and they have since said, if you need us to help out in the future, let us know that they had such a wonderful experience. 
they really enjoyed it. We've had the parents at the last class asked us, how can they come back in the future? Like, can we have alumni reunions? And the children, one child, she had her birthday and her birthday date fell on one of the nights for the parent management training. And the parents were going to take her out to dinner at a nice fancy place or a place she wanted to go. Instead, she said, no, I want to go to what she called ADHD night, which was, I think, a really great reflection of how everybody really enjoyed the program. I'm curious, I want to expand on that, that personal experiences that that some of the participants had. Can you share a story or two of success that has come as a result of this training? Yeah, so many parents have said some of the things that Dr. Bria had mentioned, like one, this current class that we have, two are the teachers in our elementary are attending and for multiple reasons, but one of them said to me, you know, so glad, so glad I came to this class because I'm learning a lot, but I'm also learning that I'm not alone. And that some of the things that I have been doing were the right things to do. Because sometimes you feel lost, you know, you're trying to do the best of what you know and use what you know and hope that you're doing the right thing. And to be confirmed in that can be really helpful. And then other parents have said that they've, they've really noticed the strategies helping to build that positive bond between themselves and their children, which is the core component truly of the program. I want to ask, what are some of the common barriers or issues that parents uh, have when they are facing when they have a child with ADHD? So this is Dr. Bria. I think that one of the biggest things is knowing, and I think that this extends kind of back to to general parenting, which is like knowing the best thing to do for your child in the moment. Some nights can go very, very well after school. Sometimes the wheels fall off, you know, as soon as you walk in the door. And I think that when you have a child with ADHD, that is heightened, that awareness of like, I am not good enough to parent this child because I do not understand this disease and I do not understand how to help when things are going bad is heightened. And I think as a parent, it it causes a, a lot of internal conflict. It causes a lot of guilt and it causes a lot of frustration. And one of the things that's been really interesting is that we have had parents say to us, I am a lot like my child in this way. We know that ADHD is one of the most underdiagnosed or undiagnosed illnesses. And so a lot of times this training will also help parents adjust and react or respond within themselves first and then react or respond in a way that helps their child. So I think it can be very helpful in this regard in terms of being a way to approach different situations. Like you have a frame of reference and no matter what comes your way, you have a toolbox that you can use to connect with your child, to not constantly be yelling and screaming and punishing your child. Again, I think that positive connection is, it's so important. It's something that we don't emphasize enough as parents. Are we getting beyond the uh, the issue of discrimination and stigma when it comes to diagnoses such as ADHD, behavioral health issues, in your estimation? This is Dr. Spector again. I, I, I truly feel like these kind of programs, these community-based programs where parents can come together and talk about this, 
and share their stories and feel heard and feel understood helps to reduce the stigma. And as Dr. Bria was mentioning, I think that's so important, especially as parents, you know, that we support each other. I remember times being at the grocery store with my toddler who was having a tantrum. And for a parent to smile or wink at me when my child is tantruming in the middle of the grocery store and I'm trying to use my good skills and strategies but feeling judged, to have somebody smile at you and say, you know, I've been there and it's going to get better instead of the glares of like, what are you doing? Or why aren't you doing something different? We already judge ourselves harshly and we just really need some positivity and love and encouragement to get through it. I want to ask about some of the tools that come back to the family once parents have been through this program. How can that be driven home and used by grandparents and other family members who are also interacting uh, with this child who has this diagnosis? This is Dr. Bria. So two ways, really. One, the parents are given a binder um, with all of the information in it, and they're also given homework assignments. So they can, of course, share the binder of information with loved ones who are also caring for their children. They can also lead by example. And Dr. Spector is going to crack up, but I have learned so much as a uh, leader in this course, to be quite honest with you, going back to the you never stop learning concept that I spoke of earlier, positive sort of parenting. So really talking about not what the child is. You do not want them to do. You want to talk about what you want the child to do. So instead of saying, stop running, I would like you to use quiet walking feet. Let's see who can be the quietest as we go out to the car on the morning to go to school. Instead of stop jumping on the couch, I would love to see your bottom on the couch and your feet on the floor. And I would love to see your legs quiet. So just really kind of changing your approach, changing your demeanor can be really, really helpful. The other thing that I thought was really impactful was catching your child doing something good. And I feel like we always catch them, you know, kind of with their hand in the cookie jar. But this is when you catch your child (laughs) doing something that is, it might involve like seeing them get frustrated and using some strategies to sort of release some of that frustration or seeing them interacting with a sibling and and demonstrating kindness or, or sharing as opposed to, you know, grabbing whatever they have and running for their room to hide it. Those are two very kind of you don't need anything necessarily except like your your eyes and your voice to do them. The other things that are really impactful are charts to help with, you know, kind of what do you need to do in the morning from the time you get up until the time we go to school, kind of like a step-by-step guide for the child. It's like kind of a checklist mentality, um, which is very helpful. And then talking about different systems in your family that might work when it comes to sort of chores, reward systems, things like that. Reward systems don't have to be big and expensive. It can be quality time together. 15 minutes of undivided attention goes a really, really long way especially in this day and age of constant stimulation. This is Dr. Spectre. I'd like to just share one other thing. What we're trying to do is really kind of change the culture, right? Change the culture of medicine in a sense. And Dr. Bria, in her leadership role with the residents and being the program director of the residents has really been a tremendous champion that we couldn't be doing this without her enduring support and encouragement and really passion for this work. 
And so she's been a tremendous partner and we are, we meaning I am so lucky to be able to work with her in doing this. Well, let me ask about the resident's role in all of this. Um, we haven't really talked about that. It sounds like the residents are training and learning and then presenting. And this is an important part of, you know, their overall training. Talk about why this is so important to uh, their learning process. This is such an important area for all general pediatricians. And and I'm, I'm sure you are aware, it's a worse thing again. Our goal is to, to train high-quality evidence-based learners in general pediatrics. And I think that we have made tremendous, tremendous progress. And I, I do want to be very complimentary to all of our core faculty, all of our team. Dr. Spector, is one of the divi- as the division director for developmental and behavioral pediatrics, is an integral part of this process. Providing our residents with I like to think about it as layered curricula. So yes, they can sit down, they can read articles, they can talk to one another, they can talk to experts about evidence-based care within developmental and behavioral pediatrics. That is absolutely one way to learn. But when we make it interactive and when we make it more of action verbs, I really feel like we help to make it stick. And so when we provide opportunities like the parent management training, they're not only learning about ADHD, but they're they're seeing with their own eyes and they're speaking with their voice to families that are living this. And so when they see that question on the boards about this family, about this child, they can really put themselves in that moment. And they, you know, my my hope is that they answer it correct, right? My plan is that they answer this correct. But I think that beyond that, the humanism of medicine can sometimes be difficult to teach in a didactic form. And so when you provide the opportunity for small group facilitation like this, you really learn and lean into empathy and compassion. You lean into curiosity as opposed to being judgmental. You really lean into the parts that make medicine an art form and the reason we're all still practicing medicine, right? Like I will be practicing medicine my entire career. I will never get to a point where I am so good that I don't need to practice anymore because I have the tremendous privilege to take care of other people's children, arguably the most special humans in their world. And so I think to provide this layered curriculum, this layered educational experience, this opportunity to lean into the parts of life that are sticky and hard and tough and to come out on the other side and see that this is actually doing a tremendous amount of good, it goes so far beyond book knowledge. It goes so far beyond reading articles. It really, really captures the human experience. Dr. Corinne Bria is a pediatric emergency medicine physician. She also currently serves as the interim program director for the Nemours Children's Hospital Florida Pediatric Residency Program. She was joined in conversation by Dr. Lisa Spector, Division Chief of Developmental Behavioral Pediatrics at Nemours Children's Florida. Learn more about the Parent Training Management Program by checking out the information posted in the show notes for this episode. We have some great topics and guests on the horizon, including the Can Grow Garden Project on the grounds of the Nemours Estate in Delaware, and an update from Dr. Maureen Leffler, Nemours Chief Wellbeing Officer on the State of the Health of Our Associates. We'll also talk about the current state of the national pediatric healthcare workforce in the U.S. and how Nemours is working with partners across the nation to battle shortages in that area. 
Our very special guests for that episode will be Nemours President and CEO, Dr. Larry Moss, and Amy Knight, President of the Children's Hospital Association. Your ideas for the podcast are always welcome. Send them along to podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. We have a great production team, and they have my gratitude for their help each and every week. They are Che Parker, Cheryl Munn, and Rachel Salas Silverman. The Champions for Children podcast is found on Nemoresnet, the Nemours Now app, your favorite podcast app, and your smart speaker. Be sure to share with your friends and fellow associates, and don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast as well. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. On behalf of Dr. Lisa Spector and Dr. Corinne Bria, I'm Carol Vassar, and we thank you for listening to this edition of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, please stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children and families we serve. <laughs>